to me, it was the right fit, you know, against the New York Giants. Like, this is, this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. Man, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I've been manifesting New York. And I, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be New York, but now that we're here, man, God is good. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, and we have reached the end of the offseason program, the new era of New York Giants football under Joe Shane and Brian Dable. We've gone through the combine, the draft, OTAs, mandatory minicamp, and now the countdown is on. July 19th, the rookies will report for training camp. And then a week later, on July 26th, the rest of the team, being the veterans, will reconvene at 1925 Giants Drive, and they will begin the quest in year one of Brian Dayball and Joe Shane to get this thing back on track and return Big Blue to a winner. On today's show, which will be the final show before a little bit of a hiatus, we'll take several weeks off and we will be back for year two of All In, probably a little bit before training camp in July. Obviously, we'll make sure we will get the word out there on social media to let you know when we're back with a full season of podcasts. But on today's show, Giants second-round pick Wandale Robinson. I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to get a guest this week, but as it turned out, I was able to get Robinson today for an interview. First time we've talked face-to-face, one-on-one. And he's got an interesting story, even beyond the football. So it'll be very interesting to see how the Giants handle things in this offense and bring Robinson along. But first, let me give you a little feel for what's gone on in the spring and where this team sits in terms of heading into the season. You know, September 11th, they open up down in Tennessee in Nashville against the Titans. The next time they get on a plane after that is the October trip to London to take on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So two plane rides in the first, I believe it's six weeks of the season. A little bit conducive to a young team trying to get its footing. So we'll see how that turns out. But as Brian Dayball keeps reminding us, it's a long way to go for a team that's learning a new system on both sides of the ball in order to become a contender again in this division. I like some of the things they've done in the offseason. I think Joe Shane is the right guy to lead this franchise. He's impressed me with his philosophy in year one. Has not been the most joyful for some guys that were here. Obviously, Logan Ryan and his departure what happened with James Bradbury holding out 
hope that they would be able to trade Bradbury and get something in return. Ultimately, waiting until well after the draft and releasing him. He landed on his feet with a one-year deal in Philly. So, of course, everyone wants to talk about Bradbury and how he's going to get revenge on the Giants when the Eagles play the Giants. Fact is, Giants and Eagles won't see each other until November, which seems like many moons away from now. My impression so far on Brian Gable, he is who he is. He's authentic. He's genuine. And I think he's still feeling through his job as head coach and how different that is compared to an assistant coach. And what that entails on a day-to-day basis. I think he's made things a little bit more difficult on himself when he's kind of dodged questions about injuries. The Giants have a ton of guys wearing red non-contact jerseys in the spring. That includes Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Kayvon Thibodeau, Aaron Robinson, obviously Sterling Shepard recovering from his torn Achilles. And the list goes on and on. There have been guys who have put on the red jersey and then ultimately played their way out of the red jersey. Dexter Lawrence is a good example. And because it's a off-season program, you know, Dable's not looking to talk about injuries. And I get that. But what he said today as we're taping this show at the tail end of the offseason program is basically the best way to look at why he's saying the things that he's saying about the injuries and what he's not saying. And I really think that at this point in the game, I'm still getting to know Brian Dable. I don't know I don't have a great read yet as to how he wants to handle the media, what he believes in, his philosophies, and what he's trying to be able to get accomplished. And I I think it's been a grind. I think this team grinded it out in the offseason program, but I also think for Dable and the way things played out. You know, let's not forget, we talk about players all the time, the idea that they go from the end of their college season to immediately training for the combine. They go through the combine, then they're training after the draft. Then they have to basically, they take one week off, and then they're here for rookie minicamp, and then they're thrust right into the off, the off-season team activities. And then you have minicamp, and then you're sitting here at the end of June And you only have a couple weeks left to decompress before you get to training camp. Now, I think the same applies to coaches, especially a guy like Brian Dable. Now, let's not forget, Brian Dable was the offensive coordinator of a Super Bowl contender. And they'd been building something in Buffalo. To lose the heartbreak that they lost, the heartbreaker, in Kansas City, the way that thing played out. And then to basically jump right into head head coaching search and interviewing with the Giants and then ultimately getting the Giants job and then putting together a staff and meeting the players. You know, Dable's been head down 
for almost five months now. And I think when you get to training camp and you start settling into a regular season, I think maybe you'll see a little bit more of Brian Dable's personality in terms of what he's trying to do and what his philosophy will be as he's standing there as the head coach of a football team. Because I think I think that's kind of where he's dealing with the injuries. And here's what he said that I thought everybody would would have benefited had he brought this up a week ago. And he said, we've got to take a little bit off them on June 8th so they're ready to go fully on July 26th. I think that's being smart. You push guys through, tr- through in training camp, maybe it's the same exact thing and they don't have a red jersey on. It's week two in training camp. Everybody is sore. We know we're sore, but we've got to get ready to go, and there's a time to push through things. All we're trying to do is to be as healthy as we can be when training camp gets here. And that's pretty much all he needed to say a week ago, two weeks ago. Kayvon Thibodeau took a tumble in a spring practice a couple weeks back, and he ended up in a red jersey. Now, watching him do his agility drills with the training staff, do some short sprints last week, and continue to kind of work through walkthroughs, he's got something with his lower body. Could it have been a groin injury? Look, I've joked I'm not a doctor, but that's kind of what I saw from what he was dealing with, something soft tissue that Thibodeau was dealing with. And you tweak something like that in the spring, the smart thing to do is to completely pull back. And I think they did that with Thibodeau and likely some of the other guys. There was a report that Kadarius Toney had knee surgery, had a, a scope, at very minor, whatever that means. He hasn't participated. It's imperative for Kadarius Toney to be a part of this program. Now, he's been part of the offseason program. He's been in meetings. He's been through walkthroughs. But he's not out there on the field. Now, Kenny Galladay was in a red jersey this week. But he was out there participating not only in individual drills, but he was catching passes from Daniel Jones when the quarterbacks work with the receivers. He wasn't going up against the defender. But these are no-contact drills. So, good sign for Galladay. At least he's getting involved that way. But make no mistake, this offense needs those guys. That's the way they're built for 2022. Will they have those guys in the lineup? Will they be a part of this thing when the Giants turn the page and get to 2023? I'm not sure. I don't know that. That's really up to Galladay and Tony. But at this point, having done this, for a long time and been on this beat for a while and been through head coaches with differing philosophies from Tom Coughlin to Ben McAdoo to Pat Shermer to Joe Judge and now to Brian Dable. I'm of the belief that the smart thing to do is watch and observe and not overreact in the second week of June. We know what this team is. And if the end of August rolls around and Kadarius Tony is still on the sideline 
or catching passes from a jugs machine. Well, then it's it's serious time for critique of Tony and the organization and where they're at with this player. But as of right now, I'm not sending up flares. I'll wait and see when we get back in the late July and when the team starts hitting the practice field and training camp where we're going to be. They don't even have shoulder pads on. And we're already assessing how they're picking up blitzes. They're not even double teaming as offensive linemen. And we're talking about why they're not picking up the fact that Julian Love is lining up in the A-gap on an exotic blitz as a safety from Wink Martindale's system. All this stuff is going to work itself out. I'm not going to criticize the offensive line, which isn't double teaming, which isn't allowed to make contact with the defender. The advantage is strictly to the off, to the defensive player in that situation. So giving guys sacks, quote-unquote, in minicamp, that's just not for me. I think we have to watch and see and see the way things develop. And we'll have plenty of time in August when the pads go on to truly assess where some of these guys are at. So that's my feeling. I'll touch on a little bit of the players that have stood out to me and what I think of this offensive system and defensive system after my interview with Wandale. But right now, we're going to go to our interview with Wandale Robinson. And part of his story is his relationship with his father. And he talked about that, shared a little bit. The one thing that when he was... In his childhood, his father was incarcerated and he spent a lot of time out of his life. Now, he came back into society in 2015. So Wandell has known his dad, Dale, all across the board, but they've gotten closer and closer with him being out of prison. So Wandell will talk about that. Obviously, that meant a lot to him. Uh, so we talked a little bit about that. We talked about his journey from Kentucky to Nebraska, back to Kentucky, and now to the Big Apple. And Wandell has gotten a lot of time this spring filling in for guys. And the Giants clearly have a plan for him. And I think you'll enjoy listening to what the second-round pick had to say. So without further ado, reminder – our makeshift podcast studio is on the patio at the Giants facility. Very windy in the Meadowlands, so we apologize for any audio issues. But it's myself, Wandell, and our microphone on a table on the patio. Minicamp just finished up. Enjoy. All right, I'll join right now with Wandale Robinson, second-round pick, Giants, wide receiver. And I just checked, you just ran another route. You're, <laughs> you're getting your money's worth over the, uh, over the last month or so here. Yep. Uh, first off, thanks for joining me. And it's almost <laughs> to the end where you can actually take a breath yeah. and relax before training camp. What's this been like for you so far? Uh, I mean, it's been, it's been amazing overall. Um, just learning the offense and getting in the building and just um, – getting with everybody, all the vets and things like that. It's just been amazing. Um, so I'm just happy to take it all in and continue to work. 
Are you tired? I mean, it doesn't seem like you took a break. <laughs> no, I mean, haven't taken too much of a break, but uh, this is what we signed up for. And um, you got to come in every day ready to work. Can't really have any bad days. And you just got to get better every day. So what have you learned most about being a pro mm-hmm. right now? Shoot, I mean, you got all this time and um, all the time in the world to do whatever, but um, you just know that you got to study or you got to take care of your body and do things that a pro would do. Um, it's not like college anymore where coaches can make you do things like that. It's At the end of the day, it's on you. So, Take me a little bit. I know it probably seems like forever ago, but on, on draft night, you know, day two, you're sitting there. Guys are always wondering. You're getting yeah. peppered. You were at a family. It looked like a family and friends party, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. What was your mindset? Uh, How surprised were you when you came? Um, I wasn't too surprised. I mean, I felt um, that my talent had showed enough and um, felt that I was able to go in that round. And um, But then again, I was just happy. And um, that was a moment that me and my family were waiting on for a long time and just happy for it to all come true. So, Well, you were kind of in a situation, right, where you – you weren't sure. I mean, you got to prepare yeah. yourself for other different av- yeah, for avenues. Sure. So when you see when you see that phone for the first time, yeah. it pops up. Did you realize right away? Jersey, it's Giants. Yeah, it said, it said New York Giants on my on my phone whenever they were calling. Um, got the call, and I stood up and just kind of walked outside, and everybody got quiet. And um, I really can't even recall the whole conversation just because of how just blank I went, and um, just such an exciting moment. So now you're you're football journey has actually been an interesting one. I mean, yeah. I know, you know, everybody kind of brings up that whole, you know, Bar- Barry Sanders in yeah. the youth league. Yeah. Um, you went to Nebraska, then came came home to Kentucky. Mm. When you take a step back, how much appreciation do you have for being able to kind of take those turns and detours and find out where you're going to go? Sure. I mean, it's I mean, I don't think I'd be where I am without all of those detours and um, just all the obstacles that I've had to overcome and even the good ones. So um, just everything that I feel like has happened for a reason, it's got me here today. Now you get to you get back home to Kentucky and everyone wants to talk about NIL now <laughs> and what that was like. And yeah. when you ended up signing your NIL, I don't know if it's been uh, surpassed by now, but mm-hmm. it was the biggest of anybody at Kentucky at the yeah. time, right? Yeah. What was that process like? And Take me through the process of when you decided uh, kind of to take a personal twist and kind mm-hmm. of donate some of the proceeds. Um, well, for me, uh, me and my dad, we started a foundation named after my grandmother, um, the Wanda Joyce Robinson Foundation. And it just helps kids that have parents that are or were incarcerated, just kind of like me. So um, just showing kids that there's a way that, that you can get out and um, be successful like me, not just being a football player or any kind of player. You can do music, do art, do whatever you may want to do. And uh, we just want to help just kids get whatever whatever passion they have just help them accomplish that um definitely i mean for me obviously i was blessed enough to earn some money and um just felt like it would be a good thing for me to at least donate some of it and um just know i don't need i don't need it all and um people other people deserve some now you have that you have that foundation now here i would imagine you want to continue your community work Mm. Uh, some guys come and they search for, for causes. Yeah. You have one right in front of you. Yeah. You have plans already in your mind in the works where you're going to kind of increase the mm. profile of your grandmother's foundation? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's something my dad, they're growing it all over in Kentucky. And then that's something that I want to bring up here to Jersey and New York. And um, luckily, we have a really good support staff here with our player development. And they'll definitely help me um, in whatever way I need of just helping that uh, foundation just grow more. How much uh, you've told your story, uh, what it means to you. And your dad yeah. has also told his story mm. uh, to other outlets. 
um, for you, when you consider where you are, how much do you think back to the lessons you were kind of forced to learn and yeah. what you learned from that experience? I mean, that's every day for me. Um, you know, just thinking back to whenever I was six or seven years old and my dad wasn't there and um, just knowing that um, I want my mom to live right and she doesn't have to worry about anything. And so that's just always kind of in the back of my head of knowing um, anything could happen at the wrong time and you just got to make sure that you're on your, on your P's and Q's. So. Did you get to a point where you got more comfortable in sharing your story? And I would imagine that's still gonna yeah. increase. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I was younger, I didn't really like even bringing it up that my dad was in prison. I was just kind of a little bit embarrassed and all of my friends having both parents at home. And just for me, um, not having, just having my mom, it was just kind of like, I, I wish I was like that. But um, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely something. So yeah. Uh, you mentioned about your mom wanting to do something. I, I heard uh, heard through the grapevine that you yeah. got some plans once you get this contract finalized yeah. and signed. Ready to break those plans, or what? What does that mean? I mean, it, it yeah. seems like it. It you know, it's funny when you used to sign scholarships when you're coming out of high school. It was something, but then it kind of becomes okay. Everybody yeah. does it, but then you get to the get to the pro level and you're going to yeah. sign this contract. What is that going to mean to you? for when you get to sign your rookie contract? I mean, it'll be, well, it'll be officially official. That's kind of how I look at it. Um, I mean, it'll mean a lot and just knowing that my mom and my family, they don't really have to worry about too much and um, really in whatever way they need help, I can always really provide it uh, as long as I continue to make plays and we'll continue to do that for a long time, so. All the things that Brian Dable and Mike Kafka are gonna ask you to do in this offense. Tell me, your what's your favorite route to run? Uh, I love all of them, but I mean, I'd probably say an option route. Um, my old coach used to tell me on an option route, the only option you have is to not be covered. So um, <laughs> that's kind of kind of the way I look at those. And um, you just can do so many different things and um, run, run them so many different ways. So Now you come to the pros with a little bit of an advantage, I think, with Liam Cohen, Liam mm-hmm. Cohen yeah, UMass sure. guy. I was a UMass guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that offense that you guys ran in Kentucky, uh, not that it's a, a – a blueprint to what guys do, but mm-hmm. pre-snap motion and stuff like that. Yep. How much has that eased your transition coming here to now having to learn this playbook? Um, I mean, it's made it a lot easier just knowing that I've already been in an NFL system and having to get into a huddle and hear play calls or um, just learning multiple positions and having to learn concepts and things like that. So um, Liam, he really helped me. Um, and that's kind of why I feel like I'm ex- excelling um, right now in this level. So, uh, you know, some guys are on the sideline in red jerseys all spring, kind of rehab and get ready to go out there in training camp. But you've been out there. How many positions have you learned to this point? Um, I've learned uh, quite, a few, quite a few. I mean, I'm really just trying to learn the concepts at the end of the day. And then um, that just comes from there. And then as long as you know where you need to line up, you'll be able to go from wherever. So, uh Coach Dable mentioned yesterday the idea, you know, everybody wants to have pre-snap motion and uh, guys lining up in different spots. But if you don't know the concepts, it's really a waste of time. Mm -hmm. Have you caught yourself at all, you know, breaking the huddle? Guys in the past have told me, you know, I I was in one spot the previous time and yeah. then I break the huddle and I'm like, oh, nope, I'm not going to the Z, I'm going mm-hmm. to the X, that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, I mean, there's a few times, but um, that's just back to you got to study and be a pro. So um, whenever whenever it's called and you just got to make sure that you're thinking about it and um, that's also communication with your teammates too. So When you're a young guy and you, you play, I mean, I don't want to pigeonhole you as a slot receiver because I, I don't think you'll be mm. 
just a slot receiver. But I noticed today in practice uh, during minicamp, Sterling Shepard's out there. It looks like you're, at least the appearance from us up here yeah. is that you're picking his brain. Steve Smith was here last week. I'm sure you picked his brain. Mm. How much do you have to be a sponge in the position that you're in now, especially early on? I mean, I think that's every day. You just got to have to go in with an open mind. Um, obviously, I'm a rookie at this thing. And really, this past year was the first year I played my full time at receiver at Kentucky. And uh, I'm still learning things. And Shep's done it for a long time. And Steve Smith, he's a guy that did it for a long time. So those are two guys that I really look up to. And um, whatever help and advice they have, I'm always going to be open ears. What's the best advice you've gotten so far? Uh, <laughs> get open. <laughs> That's the best advice. <laughs> Is it really that simple, though? I mean, when it comes to your position, especially like you said, on option routes, I mean, you know, you're you're not, you know, six four here mm -hmm. and you're not but I would imagine on the inside that's to your advantage, your yeah. size and your quickness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean you just gotta be able to use your quickness and um I mean there's just different ways to run a lot of different routes and you're going against the same guys every day, especially during this kind of setting. So you gotta be able to change it up and um guys will eventually start figuring out tendencies, so you gotta work on different stuff. Now you're a Kentucky kid you come to the big city up here. You guys have had a little taste of what it's like, Yankees game. Yeah. You've seen some other stuff. What's been the experience so far like that? Uh, I mean, it's been great. Um, obviously, I mean, I've been trying to stay trying to stay tucked in with football, but um, going into the city a little bit, it's just a big, it's really just a big city and uh, really nothing like I've ever seen, but uh, I'm sure I'll get accustomed to it and it's been fun so far. How do you go about building rapport with, uh, with Daniel Jones? Just every day, um, talking more and more. Just the more we throw, the more we're getting connected. And um, whatever he sees, if he sees something from me, he comes right over to me and tells me if I have any questions, I can ask him. And um, he'll give me a straightforward answer and just tell me whatever I need to do. So Now, like we mentioned at the beginning, it's been a grind for you guys. You go from uh, college season to, to combine training to all the way through the draft. You're mm -hmm. here now. You guys will get a break at some point over the next week or so when they let you get out of here. Yeah. Um, are you a guy who can kind of put everything away and needs to put everything away? Or will you grab your notebook and kind of still break down stuff, work out before I mean, you get back here for training camp? Oh, uh, no, you, work don't stop. So um, you come back and you don't do anything, you're going to be you're gonna be in some trouble whenever you get back. So, uh, I mean, you always want to stay on top of your things. And especially for me, first-year guy in this offense, I'm going to definitely continue to study and uh, make sure I'm on top of everything whenever we get back to training camp. Wandale Robinson, thank you very much for joining me, and best of luck this season. We'll be watching. Good luck for that uh, that first purchase that you're going to make when Yo, you officially, officially sign you. Yes, sir. Thank All you. Right, man, thank you. So my special thanks to Wandale Robinson for joining me after Wednesday's practice. It's uh, been interesting to watch the Giants fit Robinson in. He was selected 43rd overall. A little bit of a surprise for a lot of people that the Giants pulled the trigger on Robinson that early. A lot is going to be made about his height. He's listed as 5'8". But if you're playing on the inside, the way the Giants plan on using him, I think the way he uses his body control and his speed and his quickness in small spaces, I think Dable and Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, will find ways to use him. Now, it may be a maturation process. What routes are the best? He mentioned his choice routes and the idea of it's get open. So a lot of that will work together in terms of how the Giants bring this offense together, timing issues, protection issues, 
uh, decision-making issues with Daniel Jones. Uh, so a lot of that will work together. But I thought it was interesting watching in the red zone especially how the Giants were utilizing rookie Daniel Bellinger, uh, who can flex out, can play in line at tight end with Wandale Robinson and Saquon Barkley all on the field at the same time. You know, I think the Giants are taking a different approach to how they're going to solve their red zone issues. And instead of attacking the red zone with taller red zone threats, the Galladay's, the Kyle Rudolphs, which was part of the plan last year, I think the Giants may go small and kind of take a page out of the Rams a little bit, how it's almost impossible to cover a Cooper Cup in the end zone when he does some of those moves. Why is Sterling Shepard so successful, or has he been so successful in running some routes in the end zone uh, in red zone situations? Because those guys are hard to cover. So I think Wandell Robinson is the kind of guy, the Kadarius Tony is the kind of guy that instead of going big, I think the Giants may go small in the end zone. And a guy like Bellinger can be successful lining up out of the backfield, kind of give different misdirections down there in the end zone. So, so far, that's kind of one of the things I've picked up from Dable's offense that I like. Uh, obviously, the pre-snap motion, the guys lining up all over the field, all that stuff that was a myth under Jason Garrett and Joe Judge, so far has not been a myth. It's actually been a must. It's been a mandate. I don't know how many plays the Giants have run without some sort of pre-snap motion or guys shifting into different spots. That includes Saquon Barkley. I had a column on Saquon that posted on NorthJersey.com. Make sure you check that out. Uh, in terms of how Saquon can make this decision a difficult one for the Giants. He's going into his final year of his contract. And there is this feeling that this is a final chapter for Saquon with the Giants and not necessarily a new beginning. And I truly believe that. And I think only Saquon could control what happens next. Because if I'm the Giants, the way this decision is an easy one is Saquon Barkley helps the 2022 team and then they figure out what they can do if it's at the trade deadline this year, if he gets off to a great start, or at the end of the year, seeing what's available on the market, but also showing that they are not going to make that kind of commitment to a running back. Previous regime, I have no doubt if Dave Gettleman was the general manager, Saquon Barkley would have a contract extension. With Joe Shane, I don't know necessarily if that's the case. I think there's a lot to play out here, uh, but my my money would be on the idea that Saquon Barkley plays his final year here with the Giants. Could he be traded at the trade deadline? If the right offer comes from a contender, I think that's possible. I think that will be difficult to stomach for Giants ownership to see someone as well-liked as Saquon go elsewhere and somehow reach the potential 
that they envisioned for him when he got here. But I think that Joe Shane has proven that he's unafraid to make hard decisions, difficult decisions. And I think Saquon could make this a difficult one. You know, it's a lot easier if Saquon Barkley is hurt or not producing and the Giants have to part ways. You've already dealt with the fallout of selecting him second overall. That's a previous regime. As an organization, you've already bit that bullet. But the reality is, what if Saquon Barkley reaches his potential this year? What if after five weeks, Saquon Barkley is leading the league in rushing or is in the top three and has emerged as a receiving threat that he hasn't been since he was a rookie? Those are the questions that the Giants may end up having to answer because Saquon Barkley has looked great this spring. And it just shows you where things are. Like I said, more final chapter than new beginning because we would be writing about Saquon Barkley every day. He's looked that good out. Granted, shorts, no, no shoulder pads, no hitting, but he's looked very good. I don't think he's looked this good since his rookie year. So remains to be seen what happens with Saquon. That's certainly the Saquon story and the Daniel Jones stories will be something that Giants fans will have to see uh, how that plays out. Everyone has, a, has an opinion. I've given mine. I'll continue to give my opinions across the season. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out. Right now they're part of this team. And everyone involved wants to take a step forward as an organization, as a team, start winning games again, start looking respectable when the chips are down. And I think we saw it a little bit two years ago and then it completely imploded last year. There's something to be said about that second year for a head coach. Things imploded on Ben McAdoo. Things imploded on Pat Shermer to an extent. And things imploded on Joe Judge last year for a variety of reasons. Personnel, the decisions made by the head coach, losing touch with the locker room, going back to McAdoo in 07, uh, 17, I mean. Uh, these are things that you need to figure out. And I think the Giants, they hope that with their general manager and their head coach in lockstep, that will help sort out what's gone wrong over the last three regimes and now focus on this regime moving forward. So we'll have a bunch of stuff coming in the summer once training camp begins. I think you, if you're the Giants, you feel good about Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas bookending your offensive line. We'll see what happens at left guard with Shane Lemieux and Josh Zudu. I think we'll get an opportunity at some point. John Feliciano trying to make this transition to center. Right guard, Mark Lewinsky, should be solid. You shouldn't have to worry about Lewinsky. You should put him out there, and he performs. We'll see if that happens. I think the rookies are going to get more opportunities than you would imagine. Kayvon Thibodeau. All eyes are on him. There's no doubt about it. He's going to enjoy the spotlight. He's going to bask in the spotlight. We'll see if the spotlight turns him into a star or if it puts a lot of pressure on him early on if he's not producing or not on the field. I think he'll be on the field. I think he'll do a good job. I think he's a good player with the right mindset. Uh, and at this point, I think there'll be a good opportunity within this defense with Wink Martindale 
uh, calling the shots that Thibodeau is going to uh, get out of the gates well for the Giants. Uh, we'll see what happens after that. So it's been a crazy offseason, new general manager, new head coach, a lot of new players, some interesting rookies, and we've been all in for it all. But I, I want to say at the end of I'll consider this the end of the first season of All In with Art Stapleton. We appreciate you, the audience, and everything you've given to this show. Again, figure a couple weeks hiatus here. Continue to read whatever coverage we have on NorthJersey.com. Always appreciate your subscriptions and following along wherever my coverage takes us. So until probably the third or fourth week of July. Stay all in, and we'll check you out when it's time for training camp, the New York Giants, year one of Brian Dable.